Oh, the great outdoors. Growing up, I spent many summers camping out in tents, near local lakes, rivers, and all over Northern California beaches. I loved being in the outdoors, but I loathed the packing, setup, breakdown, and unpacking. I did it anyway because I really hadn't camped out in any other way. Then a few years ago, my husband and I decided to rent an RV for an annual Santa Lijo camping trip, and we have never looked back. In fact, we are now the proud owners of a 19-foot Intech Soul Horizon travel trailer that we take everywhere. I'm Mary Herendine, and welcome to Traveling with AAA. Today, we are road tripping in an RV up the Oregon coast. And joining us to share his recent RV experience is Brad Wright, copy editor for Westways and AAA Explorer magazines. Brad began his career as a sports writer, primarily covering college sports in Ohio and North Carolina before finding his way out west to California and discovering the joys of editing. He worked for nearly 20 years as a wire editor and copy editor of the Orange County Register newspaper prior to joining us at Ace Publications. He and his wife Daisy love to travel, and together they've road tripped across much of the western U.S. and explored more than 20 countries. When Brad's not working, he can usually be found planning his next vacation. And so, Brad, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Mary. I'm very happy to be here for this exciting new podcast, Traveling with AAA. I've listened to some of the early podcasts, and you have absolutely been crushing it. Oh, thank you for that feedback. That's good to hear. I've, I've actually been more inspired to travel even more now, so um, maybe my bosses won't like that because I've already been <laughs> booking some vacations, trying to take some days off here and there, even for a nice staycation, which I did a few weeks ago. So, Brad, would you tell us a little bit about yourself and your passion for traveling? Sure. Well, like you, I, I'm, I'm happy to be talking to a fellow camper here, mm-hmm. too. I, I grew up camping with my family in the great state of Michigan. My parents had a, a first a pop-up camper, and then we mm-hmm. had a travel trailer. So in summers, we would you know take, a, take off for weeks at a time on camping road trips. I honestly don't think I saw the inside of a hotel or a <laughs> motel until I was in my 20s. And you know, then you know, after college and during college, we continue. I continued to camp in a tent, and for we did that for several years, just with friends and 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 even on my own. And when I met my the woman who later became my wife, when mm-hmm. we were dating, she said, you know, hey, let's go to Italy. And you know, Italy was <laughs> was, was not something that was on my bucket list, or mm-hmm. you know, it was not in the back of my mind. I was a simple person, and but sure, why not? Let's go to Italy. And we spent two or three weeks there. You know, this was before Airbnb, mm-hmm. before cell phones, before the internet. So we did the old backpacking style. You know, got off the train, found a place to stay, and then when we got tired there, got on the, on the train and went somewhere else. And I think that trip, you know, it, it literally changed my life and, and who I am. And I just became a, a travel junkie after that. <laughs> um, we came back uh, six months later. We got married and we honeymooned in French Polynesia. Mm-hmm. And we've been very fortunate and very blessed. And ever since then, you know, we just we just love to travel and we take a couple of trips a year. What a great story, a great connection to hear that you both have the same love for travel, the same passion, and and have built your life around it. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Now, um, I have a girlfriend who her and her husband actually did a backpacking trip of 
across Italy as well as part of their honeymoon. And she said it was amazing. It was such a great experience for them to be able to do that early on in their marriage and um, kind of not get that out of the way, but be able to experience that in the event things change. So it was pretty awesome. Right. And the food. Oh, my goodness. I mean, the the four courses of food. That's just it's just insane. (laughs) What is the the aperitivo and then Mm -hmm. the primi and the secundi and the contorne. Oh, it's three hour meals. It's just just wonderful. It is amazing. I loved it there. And the food is incredible. I I think I shared before, like Boston, you know, I can't get to Italy right now, but um, great Italian food just in right. any city um, in America that I visit. I'm like, where's the great Italian food? Because I love it. I, I agree with you on that count. And I, I was just so fascinated that, you know, pasta was like before the main course. It, yeah. <laughs> it blew my mind as an American. Right. Oh, this is just the opener. Okay. Yeah, the salad comes later? <laughs> right. I, I, I can live like that. And I have to say, the first time I went to Italy and I had the um, tiramisu, I fell in love. So anyway, incredible trip and backpacking. I know you recently, though, went on a trip um, to the Oregon coast, and you wrote a story in Westways in the AAA Explorer magazine, A Ride Called Hope, where you shared your experience vacationing in an RV. Was this your first time vacationing in this way, and what inspired this trip? Well, it, it wasn't exactly that. It was the first time in this country. A- about 10 years ago, my wife and I rented a camper van and drove it around the South Island of New Zealand. Wow. And we just, we just had an absolute blast. You know, we loved the whole experience. And at that time, we were still mostly tent campers, and it just kind of gave us the idea, you know, at some point, we'd love to have one of these of our own. And Separately from that, we took a road trip to Oregon a few years ago, mm-hmm. and we saw lots of different parts of the state. We just spent a few days on the coast, and as we were driving up the coast, it just seemed like every few miles there's a state park, a, a regional <laughs> park, a place to camp. And I just remember thinking in my mind, we've got to come back here sometime and go camping. And my editor asked me if there was a story I'd like to write, any story I'd like to tell. So I just kind of put the two and two together, getting back to Oregon and, you know, trying out the RV. What a great opportunity to be able to get back there. I know sometimes I've been places and I'm like, oh, if we come back, we've got a plan for this or we have to do that. So it's so nice that you actually were able to do that um, and, and visit again and also in the RV. Amazing. We have a um, travel trailer ourselves, and I have to admit that I never want to go back to tent camping. Uh, What are the biggest benefits that you found um, using the RV? Yeah, I I caught that in your your intro (laughs) that you used to the tent and you've graduated upward. Mm -hmm. What are the biggest benefits? Well, for one thing, it's not a tent, right? I mean, the the tent, it's, it's not so comfortable to sleep in. And, you know, just, you know, it's the middle of the night. You have to get up. You have to use the restroom. You know, you're lying prone on your back. You're trying to find your shoes and put your shoes on. Oh, it's cold. You need to get a coat. And you're finally stumbling out of the tent. And then your wife wakes up and says, where are you going? Oh, wait for me. And then (laughs) then the the process repeats itself. And we were traveling with a dog for Mm -hmm. most of those years. And then, of course, the dog wants to go, too. And and maybe it's been raining and it's muddy. And now we have mud all over the tent. So so it's, it's a big difference. And and I think the refrigerator, too, was, oh, was yeah. nice. I mean, this was much bigger than a dorm-sized fridge. It was almost mm-hmm. a full-size kitchen. 
refrigerator. So not having to stock the cooler with ice and then have the ice melt and get the bread all smushy. (laughs) And then you're in the wilderness and you're out of ice and you're going to find ice. So, you know, the bed, the it's just a lot easier, right? It's amazing. It's just a little house on wheels we found with ours. We love it. I think um, definitely having the bathroom. So we have two little ones. And the last time we'd gone tent camping, we had, uh, my son was about three and a half and the baby was just three months old. And so there we are, we're, you know, on this air mattress and um, the air kept going out and we're just like on these rocks and I've got a baby. I'm like, oh, this is terrible. But, you know, growing up with um, eight kids, I'm one of eight. Wow. And we camped all the time. Um, It was great vacations. It was cost effective for my family. It was easy to get us all there. You know, they didn't have to get a separate hotel room. And like you, I hadn't even seen the inside of a hotel room until I was much older. So, and the was, nature part is exciting. All the oh, other yeah. parts about of camping are great. It's just <laughs> you know the sleeping and the, you know the packing up and packing down. Yeah. And that definitely makes it so much easier. We just keep ours stocked and we take it you know with us, and it always has clean sheets and and everything that you would need at home, which makes it easier for me, especially with the little ones. So I'm not stressed out um, during the trip. I want to be able to enjoy myself. So. Exactly. Yeah. Now, in the article, you mentioned that you and your wife Daisy named your rented. RV, Hope. Can you tell us why Hope? Were you a bit apprehensive about the trip? I, I don't know if I'd say we were apprehensive. I, I think, well, first of all, I wanted to give it a name because, mm-hmm. you know, two of my favorite books from my youth were you know, Travels with Charlie by John Steinbeck, and he's traveling with his dog, and he named his van Rosinante, mm-hmm. and then The Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test by Tom Wolfe, where Ken Casey and the Merry Princeters drove the psychobelic psychedelic bus across the country and you know they named their bus further so those were epic and i wanted our <laughs> trip to be epic right so I love that. so i thought let's let's give it a name and you know, like, I, like i said this is something we hope to do in the future right now we live in a condo we don't have a place to park an rv we can't afford it we, we hope we can get one someday so we just kind of went with with hope and it, it turned out to be a very fun name you know i could pull into a gas station and, and fuel up and say, we got to keep hope alive. <laughs> and, you know, I, I started naming the refrigerator. I started calling it the hope chest, you know, mm-hmm. and, and as we're driving up and down the road, you know, we, we live in hope, you know, so, <laughs> so it just became a very fun name too. Yeah, I love it. What fun. Now you said you wanted your trip to be epic. Was it? It was, it was, you know, we've been fortunate. It, it was like a trip of a lifetime, you know, to, we had 10 days to, to hike and camp and, and just be with each other and realize, I think it was an epic trip and and I would definitely do it again. I hope to do more of them sometime. That's amazing. I'm sure you will. Now, what was it like experiencing the beauty of the Oregon's coast? Is that what made it so amazing? Yeah, the, the Oregon coast, my wife and I, we just love the whole Pacific Northwest. You know, we picked up the van in in the Bay Area. So mm-hmm. we started by, you know, driving up to 101 in Northern California. So we, whenever we take that trip, we always drive through the Avenue of Giants, which mm-hmm. is just, you know, a paradise to us with all these massive redwood trees right by the side of the road. Beautiful. And then we camped first in Redwood National Park. And then by the time we got to Oregon, the, the first thing that struck us was the fog. Oh, it was, oh. It was so foggy. <laughs> I, we, we, we couldn't see. There was a stop. 
I, you know, I have all these notes. I have all these plans and things <laughs> I want to do. So, you know, there's a, a what was it called? The, the Samuel Boardman scenic mm-hmm. area. And, you know, had, oh, let's stop here. Let's stop here. You know, let's see the little overlooks. And we stopped at one, even though it was foggy. And, you know, you know, walk down to the overlook and there's a sign, you know, arch rock. But you look out in the water and all you can see is fog. You, know, oh. you, you couldn't see the rock at all. But, but you know, the Oregon coast is just it's just truly beautiful. You hoped it would clear up, right? <laughs> yeah, it did. It, you know, the trip did clear up. There, were, there was fog in the mornings, but, but mostly it was, it was really nice. That's amazing. Yeah, only having dreamt of uh, visiting the coast. I've never been there myself. I'm wondering, I'm just like picturing all this green. I've seen some of your photos. Could you describe it for us? I, I'm really glad you used the word green because mm-hmm. I think that's my favorite part of Oregon and the Pacific Northwest, those old-growth rainforests where you walk through and you see moss and, mm-hmm. and ferns and lichens and just everything is green. It, it's mystical. It's um, it's it's like a fairy tale. Right. It's, it's otherworldly, and and that, you know, they have it in Vancouver. They have it in Washington, North Carolina. I'm, I'm sorry, Northern California. <laughs> I drifted back to my yeah. past there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know the the Oregon coast. You know, it's 350 miles roughly. Um, so there's different parts, and I was very surprised by the dunes. Hmm. Um, pleasantly surprised. You know, I'd seen sand dunes before in North Carolina and in right. Michigan, but these dunes in Oregon—that was a whole different. That was a whole different ball game. I mean, just as far as you could see, nothing but sand, and they had tree islands in wow. the middle of the sand. And we took a, a dune buggy ride. They had mm-hmm. two different options for a dune buggy ride. There was the slow and the scenic or the mm-hmm. fast and the exciting. And what did you choose? We took the fast and the exciting, <laughs> of course. And and they, they strapped us in. There were there eight of us. They specially designed these custom dune buggies very low to the ground. And he had that thing. I asked him at the end, how fast were we going? He said 55, 60 wow. miles an hour. And this is, you know, climbing over dunes and getting airborne and then kind of riding on the side so you're a little tipped over and it just it was the, the excitement wow. of the actual ride combined with the surreal beauty of all you see is these dunes that that was pretty spectacular too so the Oregon coast has a, a lot to offer that's that's certainly surprising for me was that the biggest surprise that you encountered or were there any other surprises um in terms of the scenery? In terms of the scenery, the trip, anything. No, that was that was a pleasant surprise, the <laughs> dunes, because I wasn't, again, I'd seen yeah. dunes before, and you, you just kind of had to be out there. Those tree islands, they said they use that to navigate. When the when the wind cuts up, it gets dusty, and they don't know where they are. They, they know by the, by the trees in these sticking out under these dunes how to find their way back. I love that. A, a traveler's secret there, a local secret. Use the use the trees to get your way back. That's awesome. Now, it, it really does sound beautiful, and I, I love romanticizing it. I'm just thinking here, like, looking out the window of the, the RV, seeing the fog, enjoying your cup of coffee. But nothing pulls me out of that faster than running out of propane in the middle of the cold night. Like what happened to us a few right. weeks ago, we were camping on a Carlsbad State Beach, and um, my husband woke me up. Hey, I've got to get propane. And, of course, I'm always cold, so... I thought it was freezing. I, you know, you would think it's 30 degrees in there. I'm like, oh, get it now. It hadn't even cooled down yet. I'm, we needed the propane. <laughs> so did you experience any hiccups like me? 
Um, you know, that's a great question. You know, everybody's asked me that. When mm-hmm. I came back, everybody, you know, they want what, what went wrong. Yeah. What, what, was the, what was the horror story? What did you do? I, I think we were very lucky. Um, we didn't have that, that kind of issue. We, we got a brand new RV. That had, mm-hmm. This was the first time it had been taken out. It literally had like 80 miles on it when, wow. we, when we picked it up. And everything worked beautifully. So we did not have any horror stories like that. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I hate to disappoint <laughs> no. everyone. I should have just made something up. You know? No, <laughs> it's really good to hear because I think for those who are, you know, thinking about it and, and never having used an RV the first time, I know I would be afraid. Did um, Where you rented it, where did you rent? We, we got ours from El Monte. Okay. I, you know, El Monte is a big one. And then what's the other one? There's, you know, there's a couple big. I wanted to get it from an organization that could help me that had like 24-hour right. assist. That's what I and, was thinking. And, you know, so so we just went the the safe route and and I'm glad we we did call them one time some engine light came on and it wouldn't go off and mm-hmm. you know, I I don't know I just called them and it turns out that you know in Oregon they pump the gas for you mm-hmm. you don't pump your own gas and the guy just didn't screw on ah. the the cap tight enough and that's that's all it was but they they answered the phone as soon as I called them that you know I just kind of liked having that peace of mind that's great what comfort to know that there's somebody there on the other line that can help you out especially for a first time you know traveler in an RV never having used it I imagine I would have been apprehensive but it's great to know that they really prepared you for the trip and had everything set up yeah there was a video to watch before you picked up the vehicle okay. and I watched it you know four or five times and, and took notes and it, it turned out, you know, I was a little apprehensive. I was a little scared, <laughs> you know, can I tell the black water from the gray water? Right. You know, but, but it wasn't so hard. Yeah, I let my husband handle that part. <laughs> I, I don't want to watch the video for fear of him thinking that I know too much. <laughs> yeah, my, my wife left all of that to me, too. Oh, yeah. So. yeah. Well, what was the funniest thing that happened? The funniest thing? Yeah. Oh, um, I'm not sure how funny this is but it was, a, it was just a little strange or mm-hmm. odd so my wife we wanted to do a lot of hiking on this trip and the first campground we stayed at in Oregon there was a great hike it's, it's Sunset Bay State Park mm-hmm. and you can hike to a second state park Shore Acres and then to a third state park Cape Arago. and it's about four or five miles okay. one way and you know our hiking limit now honestly is about six or seven miles I didn't want to hike back mm-hmm so I called a, I arranged a taxi to pick us up in the parking lot of the final state park, Cape Arago. And because I didn't think there'd be phone reception, one made sure right. they could do it. They assured me they would be there to pick me up. But as we're nearing the end of the hike and about a half hour before the taxi is supposed to arrive, and it's a dead end road. There's right. nobody out here. It's mm-hmm. it's way off the 101. It's it's out on this cape. There's there's no cars. There's no traffic. Mm-hmm. And and we're almost to the final state park where there's just this nice view of the ocean and you can see sea lions and all of this. And then this little Fiat pulls up beside us and and the window rolls down and they call out to us, Brad and Daisy. What? And like, what? What is this? And and it, it's two of our former neighbors from Orange County who moved away like four or five years ago. Hadn't seen them. And they they passed us on the way. They saw us and they did a U-turn and came back and, and got us. That was just so weird and strange and unusual wow what a small world or maybe the oregon coast is a popular place to travel either way that's so interesting and so fortunate right so i ended up 
the, the phone did work. I canceled the, <laughs> the cab, and they gave us a ride, and we went to see their RV in their park, and then they, they drove us back to our, our campsite. It's just so it's just so weird and, and strange. That's interesting. That's that's really cool there. Now, I heard that there is this marshmallow incident. You want to tell us about that? The, the, <laughs> the marshmallow incident. I, yeah, I ended up writing about this in the story. It, mm-hmm. It's one of those things. It, it was funny if you were there. So, you know, <laughs> we're, we're roasting our marshmallows, and I just kind of got up on my high horse, and I'm just, you know, I went on this long five or ten minute soliloquy of how to roast the perfect marshmallow. <laughs> I'm going through the chemistry of it and the, the proper coals, the distance from the coals and how it's been, you know, scientific and, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, finally, you know, I take the marshmallow up and, it, and it, it's perfect and it's ooey gooey and it's all blown oh, up yes. into a big balloon and it's night nice and light brown and puffy and I kind of blow on it and I take a little bite and then the thing just drops right into my sweatshirt oh and, my gosh and my wife of course you know just bust out laughing and then I'm laughing and it, it just became that slapstick thing where we just could not control ourselves from <laughs> laughing she she helps me get the marshmallow off and then I'm still holding the stick in my hand which has marshmallow residue on mm-hmm. it and then, and she's wearing sweatpants and my marshmallow stick gets caught on her sweatpants so I pull that off and we just we're just cracking up and then you know then I have the marshmallow stick caught on my shirt and it was like the, it was like the three Stooges incident, and it was it was kind of a weird, but you know, it was funny when you were there, like when you're when you're a teenager, or, or you yeah. know, just you just can't stop laughing. And I ended up writing that incident and put it in the story, and I kind of expected it to get cut, and it, it stayed <laughs> it in. It stayed way. in the article. So. Well, that's great. And you know what? This reminds me of something I'd done the same. I think I roast the perfect marshmallow, like you. I also like to hold it over. Yeah. You've got to. Perfect distance away, brown slowly so it doesn't burn on the outside and it melts on the inside. I don't want a cold marshmallow on the inside. So I'm doing this and and telling my husband, but I'm leaned back in one of our um, chairs, outdoor chairs, and it's kind of reclined backwards. So then I go to blow the the fire off a bit and I start to blow and the marshmallow just drops right right onto my shirt and it's like on fire. (laughs) So there I am really freaking out. And he just thought it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, marshmallow. I mean, but if you camp, you have to have s'mores, right? It's a, it's a requirement. You have to do it. It I th- is I a think requirement. I think there's a law. Yeah, there is a law. My husband makes us get the stuff every time. Yeah. He's like, okay, so we got this. We got, yeah. and I'm worried about food and stuff the kids like, the snacks. And he's like, but you got chocolate, right? Did you get the the graham right. crackers? Right. You got the marshmallows. So we have to get it every time. Now, are there any disadvantages to RV vacationing, um, or for first timers? Do you have any advice for them? Um, it, my advice for first timers would be choose your campground wisely, because mm-hmm. again, the whole point is to be in nature, right? You want right. to feel like you're camping, and you know I like a state park or, or some place where there's lots of trees, mm-hmm. some place where you can maybe have a, access to a hiking trail or a lake or a creek or uh, or the ocean, but you want to feel like you're in nature, and and you know there are some. RV parts, you see them on the side of the road, you know, they look like glorified parking lots. I mean, they're just, they're just big and open and they might have a swimming pool or a restaurant, but, but you don't feel like you're camping. So if you want to get those, 
you know, you want to get those good campgrounds, and they go fast. They're they're popular. It, it, you know, it's like getting Springsteen tickets, mm-hmm. or you know, for our younger listeners, Taylor Swift tickets. Right. I mean, you want to be in online with your password the moment they go become available for the date that you want to camp, whether it's six months out or nine months out. It's just really important. Yeah, like I said, we camped two weeks ago at um, Carlsbad State Beach. It's like you're describing where it's, right. you know, right off the right. freeway, which makes it really easy because I ended up driving down there and meeting my husband there with the kids. So I was glad it was easy to find. I needed it to be right off the road. But um, we booked it last year. And right. it was like one of those things that opened up. We didn't know if we had the time off or not, but those dates were open and we booked it for the full week. And we didn't know if we'd stay the whole week or two nights or whatever it was. We ended up doing, we did Friday and Saturday night. No, Thursday, Friday and Saturday. And I, I drove down on Friday, but um, it was it was beautiful. We were glad that we booked it in advance. It was a good time for the kids. But yeah, looking out over the water, gorgeous. Looking back towards the road, not so great. Um, the other thing is with the RV travel, if, if you plan on using everything and you're going to stay a long time, I would give travelers the advice of making sure that they're at a place where they could either have access or um, full hookups for the RV because we ended up running out of water on the last day. <laughs> Yeah. Right. So we mm-hmm. planned, you know, it, it turned, I'm not the expert. This, mm-hmm. I was a newbie, but yeah. I learned that they, you know, the, the things charge as you drive right. it. So, so we kind of planned to have hookups. Mm-hmm. And then when we didn't have hookups, you know, we followed that by a place that did have hookups. Right. So I think without the hookups, you know, it can be called boondocking. Yes. Although I don't know if it's technically boondocking if you're in a campground without hookups. But if it, you can go one or two nights without hookups if you have the full charge, but then your net site after that, you should mm-hmm. have the hookups. Right. Yeah. That's what I mean. It was just, it was perfect time. We ran out of water at the, like, right at the perfect time. We were ready to go home anyway. But the propane thing, and I'm like, oh, we've got to be more prepared next time. <laughs> But I was probably burning the heater all night, and that's probably why. Yeah, well, I was lucky. Again, I left with a full tank of propane, so I haven't had to deal with the issue of, well, when do I refill this? Yeah, that's amazing. And they had it all set up for you, so perfect. Definitely first-timers rent, probably. And that's what we did. Uh, We rented twice before we ended up buying something, and we found it to be the perfect size for us. We can park it in our driveway, luckily enough. Um, I didn't want to have something that we'd have to store. Right. So it was great. Yeah, I rented the the 22-foot model, which was the smallest one that Mm -hmm. they offered. It was just my wife and I, Mm -hmm. so we didn't need a lot of space, and I wanted to be mobile. I wanted to be able to park it and move it and Mm -hmm. go to a hiking trail and and be able to drive it without feeling trapped. (laughs) Or without feeling worried, you know, that you're going to damage it or something like that, so make it more comfortable, easier. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. Well, finally, I just have to say I'm in love with the idea of exploring the Oregon coast. Um, For listeners who are inspired to travel there without the RV experience, where would you suggest they stay or what to do? That's a great question. there's a couple places I'd recommend. Well, first of all, if for the Oregon coast, I think when you go is, mm-hmm. is very important. The Oregon coast is a summertime destination. I mentioned the fog, and I mentioned how green everything is. Well, that's because, I mean, for it's much wet. of the year, it's <laughs> socked in with rain and, mm-hmm. and fog and can be, you know, a little miserable. So July and August is, first of all, the most important time to go to the Oregon coast. 
If you're not camping, there's a couple places I'd recommend. One is Cannon Beach, which is about an hour and a half from Portland. Okay. So if anyone's flying into Portland, Cannon Beach is one of those super quaint beach towns. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of shops, restaurants, art galleries, places to stay. And of course, as the name implies, it, it's on the beach. The other nice thing about Cannon Beach, it's conveniently located between two great state parks. Just about seven miles north is Ecola State Park, which has fantastic hiking through the rainforest. And about seven miles south is Oswald West State Park, which also has great hiking. So Cannon Beach has lots of places to stay and easy access. The other place I'd recommend is a town called Yahats. And I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's, <laughs> it's Y-A-C-H-A-T-S. Okay. Again, it's a town. It's on the central coast. Lots of places to stay. Quaint little town. Restaurants. And it's very close to the Cape Perpetua Scenic Area. Mm-hmm. Where their motto is where the forest meets the sea. Okay. But, it, but it's very pretty there. You can go down the tide pools on the ocean and then hike into the rainforest and be among giant spruce trees. So those are would be my top two choices for people who are not camping. And just one last thing I'd recommend is I've noticed that these state parks, they had cabins and they had yurts. So if you don't have an RV, if you're not into tent camping, you can still explore these state parks with relative comfort if you just take your pillows and your blankets. Yeah, that sounds amazing too. You know, best of both worlds, or you can experience it without having to, I guess, rough it in the tent or or bring along an RV. So that's exciting to hear. And Cannon Beach sounds like my place, my kind of place. Cannon Beach is great. We stayed there on our first trip up the coast with with our dog, and we had just like a little motel lodge type place mm-hmm. on the south end of town. And right across the street was the beach, and it was very lively at night, and people were having bonfires, and there were out people out with their guitars. And at the sunset, everybody gathered and was watching the sunset, which is much later because it's, it's further north up there. But Cannon Beach is a great spot. That sounds beautiful. Thank you so much. And finally, um, Brad Wright, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your story. And thank you to our listeners for being with us. If you're planning a trip, be sure to connect with a AAA travel advisor. Check out AAA.com forward slash travel or visit your local branch. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. I'm Mary Herondine. Thank you for traveling with AAA.